Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. This podcast is designed to hold space for honest conversations. From purity culture to faith, sexuality, relationships, identity, culture, deconstruction, and more. My hope is to look doubt in the face, be curious, seek God, and ask meaningful questions to address any elephant in the room with openness, nuance, and grace. I won't pretend to be an expert and definitely don't have all the answers. And though it may feel easier and more comfortable to exist in the black and white, I invite you to discover God with me in the gray and unexpected spaces. So whoever you are, whatever you do or don't believe, you are welcome here and have a seat at this table. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective Podcast on iTunes. So each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And while you're at it, if you feel so inclined, leave us a five-star rating and written review. It would be so helpful to get our message out there. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and a special thank you and shout out to Newsstand Studio. Thank you for producing and sponsoring this episode of the Refined Collective. If you want to follow along with Rockefeller Center in Manhattan, you can follow them on Twitter at Rock Center NYC or on the Instagrams, which is my preferred method at Rockefeller Center. Also, fun fact. If you want early and ad-free access to these podcast episodes, you can join patreon.com slash The Refined Collective. On Patreon, I do a ton of fun things. In my opinion, I think they're really fun. I host a monthly group coaching call for free for all Patreon members. And you also get access to over 50 Patreon-exclusive videos and interviews that live only on the Patreon community. So if you're interested in joining, we would love for you to come play. It's $5 a month, patreon.com slash The Refined Collective. I grew up in Southern Christian culture, which means I was given an abstinence-only approach to sex ed, aka Hello Purity Movement. All I was really taught was don't have sex until marriage, shut down your sexual desire so you don't tempt yourself for others, and everything but kissing and dating is off the table. And then one day you'll get married, a flip will switch, and you'll magically know what to do in the bedroom, and you'll have all the orgasms you want with your spouse. Because I didn't have a clue about sexual experiences over the years, I'd end up in situations I didn't want or expect because I was never taught what those scenarios were. On top of that, because I was never taught how to strengthen my muscle of consent, there were many times I said yes when I really wanted to say no, and even times I said no when I really wanted to say yes. Many of my sexual experiences were confusing and laced with shame. And one thing I know for sure is God does not want me to live in shame. The idea was that if we were taught a more comprehensive sex ed, that would mean we were being given a quote unquote hall pass to do whatever we wanted, however we wanted, whenever we wanted. Only now do I see how problematic all of that was and is. If any of this resonates with you, I'd love to invite you to my three-part sex ed workshop series with sexologist Dr. Celeste Holbrook. The workshop series will start on Tuesday, April 19th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and run for three weeks straight. 
In this workshop series, we'll unpack male and female anatomy, pleasure anatomy, the mechanics and biology of sex, what to expect your first time and beyond, how to navigate consent and own your voice, sexual communication, theology and sex and freedom from shame, how to practice embodiment, self-pleasure, lubes and orgasms, sexual health, how to practice safe sex and contraception options. Each workshop will also include a live Q&A with Dr. Les Holbrook and myself to answer any and every sex ed question you have. Nothing is off the table. If you want to learn more, you can sign up and go to bit.ly slash TRC sex ed. That's bit.ly slash TRC sex ed. Let's take ownership over this area of our lives. All right. Today we have back on the podcast a buddy of mine, my partner in crime for the He Said, She Said series on the Refined Collective. Today is actually part four of this series. We started in the fall and we'll link all of the other three episodes in the show notes. This friend of mine, Manuel Reyes, is also host of the Nights at the Roundtable podcast, which I discovered in pandemic world and love, love the conversations they have on there. And here's the thing about Manuel. This is, I think, the sixth time he's been on my podcast. This is the first time he has sent me a bio. (laughs) (laughs) I basically forced him to send me a bio because he's badass. And y'all need to know what this guy is up to because he's basically a mogul and does a lot of things. So this is going to make him super uncomfortable, but I'm going to do it anyways. All right. Manuel was born and raised in Frankfurt, Germany, which I had no idea, and moved to the U.S. when he was 10 years old, but grew up all over the states from Texas, Kansas, Florida, you know, all those good states. In 2003, he started a band called Group One Crew with friends Blanca Reyes and Pablo Viatoro. After being discovered on MySpace throwback in 2006, the band was signed to Warner (laughs) Word Records and the group recorded and toured together until 2016. He then parted ways to explore other creative avenues. At the end of 2017, Manuel started a new group called Pandas, which was also quickly signed to Capitol Records in LA. Two years later in 2019, he decided to start a podcast, Night at the Roundtable, and launched a solo career, which eventually eventually led him to his partnership with Resonate Music. His music has been placed in everything from network promos, ad campaigns like Xbox, and most recently in the trailer to Marvel's newest release, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. See, I knew I wanted to read this bio. (laughs) There's also way more that this guy left out. He's basically a mogul, but I'll let it slide this time. (laughs) What's up, Manuel? How are you feeling after me reading all of that? Um, you know, they made me write that. Resonate made me write that. I've hated it. I literally told her, I told Wendy, my manager, I was like, make stuff up. Like Google me, make up wherever you want. I don't really care. If you go to my Spotify, you'll see uh, the first line is they make us do this. So if I have to do it, I'm, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I just hate it. I don't like I talking know. about myself. It's weird, though, because I-, I hate it, too. When people read my bios on podcast interviews or wherever, I feel so uncomfortable. I feel so embarrassed. And I feel like it's not like this false sense of humility. I don't know why it feels uncomfortable, because I'm actually really proud of sure. what I've done. 
as mm-hmm. you should be super proud of this. So I'm always curious, like, what's this really about? Why does this feel uncomfortable when I'm like, hell yeah, my work has been featured in GQ. Yeah, I've been in Vanity Fair. Like, yes, I wrote a book. I should be proud of that. Why Why do you think it feels uncomfortable? I understand creating uh, validity to your guest, especially if they're an expert in the area that you're about to embark on. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you know, for whatever reason, cultures really do respond to humble bragging, you know, like if if you've been on something, if you've done something, then Mm -hmm. their ears perk up. You know, like I was telling you before we started recording, I, I, to me, I I always used to tell pastors or promoters or anything like, if you know me, speak from the heart and tell people Mm -hmm. what you think about me. If you Mm -hmm. don't, then you can read my bio. But anyone who knows me, I'd rather them just speak from the heart. So that that way people know that they're bringing in somebody they care about or they believe in, you know? Right. I wonder if what makes it feel uncomfortable, even as you're saying that, is I feel like by reading the bio, they're trying to prove that I'm credible or they're trying to basically earn the trust of their audience to say, this person is worthy enough to sit at our table. Yep. That feels uncomfortable because shouldn't we all have a seat at the table regardless of what we do or do not do? I guess it depends on why they're bringing you in, you know. Yeah, so that's true. I, I think that's that's kind of like in in a quick synopsis, they're you're, they're at least giving you a head start with the crowd. Yeah, yeah. You should listen because you know. But then at the same time, if they hate what you've been a part of, <laughs> then the crowd's already going to think something negative. Which is why I say, if I'm being brought in and the person that brought me in is going to speak from the heart, then they mm. at least know. Okay, our pastor rock with them. Our our this guy who we're here for rocks with them. So let's mm. give him a, a chance, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. What's going on in your world these days? I feel like you're all over the place. You're LA, you're Nashville, you're yeah. here, you're there. I am all over the place. I currently, hopefully you don't hear it in the background. I'm building a, a pool and a guest house in my current house, which legally is my rental property. Um, in case the government is listening, it's legally government. So this is my rental house. So I'm building a guest house and a pool in the back. And shortly after I'll get a, um, an airstream in the back left. Cause that's where I'll shoot my podcast and my studio and all that stuff. Nice. And, uh, yeah, I'm doing this remodel. And then after this, I'll go to my other house that I bought in Valley village. Cause I'm, I'm flipping that one. And uh, do some work over there. And by work, I mean looking at people doing the work and telling them (laughs) I like it and I don't like it. And uh, yeah, we just started season nine of Nights. I've been doing more of my solo podcast, the Mind of Manny podcast, Mm -hmm. which is fun because nine times out of 10, I always involve the crowd. Mm -hmm. So I will call random people, one of my more popular or at least more like tintillating episodes are my Facebook and Instagram disagreements. So I invite oh. people on who come after me. Yeah. I've the most to recent, some of those. The most recent one I did was four and a half hours long. And I'm actually putting it up because somebody came after my wife for doing the real dirty dancing, the reality show. And so I invited him on and we spoke for four and a half hours. It was so awesome. I don't know who, if anybody will listen to it. I will listen to it because, and I wanted to talk with you about this. Your wife was just, Angela was on Dirty Dancing reality TV show. Yeah. I watched every single episode because I, I mean, I love Angela, love you guys. And I love Dirty Dancing and yeah. Yeah. 
She did so freaking awesome. I was like tearing up with her. I was like, I just felt like, I was like, yes. She was so herself, even though I've never hung out with you guys in person. It just seemed like she was authentically herself. But yeah, what was that like for you to have your wife dancing on national television with Tyler Cameron? (laughs) I like Tyler. You know, before we got married, we had this conversation. She was like, you know, what do you think about this? If I have to kiss somebody, if I have to do a love scene, I'm like, I have one rule. You better have fresh breath. That's that's yeah. my only rule because I don't want to be the guy who's the husband of the girl in Hollywood that has bad breath. You know, that I was like, just make sure that it's that and then be good at it. You know, mm-hmm. like if you're going to do a love scene, be awesome. You know, if you're going to do a kiss scene, make it a really great kiss. You know, so when she was going to do this, like I just, I'm a rare person who doesn't feel or have jealousy when it comes to relationships, at least not yet. Mm-hmm. I don't want to speak like I'm a superhero, but I just don't have jealousy in that area because I just feel like if it, you know, I'm not scared of somebody taking her away. Mm. And if somebody's able to love her better than I love her with me giving my all, then I'm kind of like, that really sucks, but good for you. If you feel <laughs> happier with someone else, like, what am I going to do? Get upset that my best wasn't good mm-hmm. enough? It's like, all right, cool. My best wasn't good enough. So that's kind of how I look at it and it has nothing to do with the value of what I think I have because I know I have something amazing, which is why every day I try my freaking hardest. I don't come to this thing, you know, half-assed. Like I'm giving a hundred percent every day. And if at any point in our life, she deems that it's not good enough anymore, she can go find someone who, who is. And I don't say that like in a in a negative way. I may, I say that in a genuine, I love you type of way. Mm. Like it's not like in a snooty way. It's more mm. so like, I can't force you to be here. None of us mm. can, like in, in marriages. Yeah. It's just one of those things that if you do your part, your best, and the other person appreciates it, then awesome. If at some point they stop, then it's like, okay. Mm. Sucks, but it, it's what it is. When I hear you say you show up every day and like try your best. What my mind goes to and is curious about is, do you feel like you're striving? You're like, is there, is the energy there? Like I'm striving, I'm performing, I'm trying to do whatever I can do to keep this person here. Like what's the energy behind that? No, 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 no. No, my energy is you're worth my best. Mm. It's not even like striving. It's like, you deserve this. Mm -hmm. Because I said I do to you, you deserve me to show up my best, whether you're giving your best or not, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You deserve my best because it's the only way I'm going to be able to look at you throughout all the good and the bad and say, bruh, I had nothing else to give. Hmm. I had nothing else to give. So if, if there's ever a point where you're genuinely disappointed in the situation, it's because you just didn't think my best was good enough. And who the hell wants to stay in a situation like that? Well, does it always have to mean that? Could it also mean there's, you know, your ship's passing in the night or you were speaking a different language? No, no, I can't mean that. Because if you're doing your best, your best is in every area, right? So that means in communication, Mm. in listening, in fixing the things that need to be fixed. Meaning like whenever me and my wife get in a disagreement and I feel like it's her fault, I will ask her, you know what? Am I doing it right? Like, mm. am I loving you right? Is there is there somewhere where I'm missing it? Because if I'm sowing 
anger or if I'm sowing dissension or if I'm sowing pride or any of these things, then your response to me is valid because I'm giving you something, I'm sowing it. And then you coming at me in this certain type of way is just kind of like an outpouring of what I just sown into you. So anytime I start feeling this thing, I'll be like, what have I done Mm -hmm. to spark this? Mm -hmm. And if she can give me things like you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this, then I'm going to shut up and I'm going to take all those things and I'm going to fix it. Mm -hmm. If she can't tell me anything, then that says to her and to me, that this is a you thing. Mm. Now you got to go away and and fix whatever it is that's going on in your mind because Mm. I can't help you. And so that's just kind of like how I do it. So if if you're giving your best and your best is listening, fixing what what the other person is telling you is broken and and staying in a a humble position to where it's like, no, I'm not always right. I'm really Mm. not. I told her from jump, it's like, I want to be the best at loving you. So if you correct me, then what you're giving me is the key to making you happier. If the correction is coming from a a positive place. And typically Mm -hmm. it is because my wife doesn't really give me correction from like manipulation. She's not Mm -hmm. trying to control me or, you know, anything crazy like that. She genuinely wants the best for me. So when she gives me correction, I listen, I fix it immediately. You can ask her. It's, it doesn't take months. It doesn't take weeks. It's immediate. It's like, what? You want me to? Okay, done. And that's it. Was it always like that? Because I feel like we're about to talk about a very heated topic. We're about to talk about submission. And I'm going to play a clip from two episodes ago that you and I recorded where you say something. And mm-hmm. it definitely like triggered me. And there was so much to unpack. We just didn't have the time to unpack it on that call, which was like so hard. <laughs> and and so like I hear what you're saying right now, but also in the back of my head, I have this quote replaying that you said. And mm-hmm. so should we just listen to the quote? Yeah, sure. Okay. For me, I love strong women with an opinion. The caveat of that is that they come with a lot of pride. And you're going to have to argue them into submission. And not submission like a manly submission. I really don't like what you're saying right now. (laughs) What I'm saying is that like, so in the previous episode, there was a trigger, right? Happened. Made you feel a certain type of way. 15 minutes of conversation, self-realization, then come to a realization of like, oh, now I see what you're saying. It makes sense now. So when I say argue into submission, there's going to be arguments within the relationship that you think you're on opposite sides, but really you're on the same side. It's just that you hear a trigger word that makes you think you're on the opposite side, but really you're saying the same things. It's going to take an argument or a tough discussion to realize we're on the same side. I'm just not used to hearing it this way. Yeah, that was episode 170 and... Manuel and I were almost an hour into talking about the Netflix show Sex Life. And he makes this comment. I love strong women, but they come with a lot of pride and you're going to have to argue them into submission. (gasps) That can be triggering. Yeah. What I I said, I definitely (laughs) want (laughs) to, I want to like define what I meant. (laughs) So I do want to hear you unpack that because you and I had conversations after the episode and we voice memoed and we like cleared the air. But here's what came up for me in that moment. 
in the moment, I'm in New York City. I'm recording in the room with my producer, Joe. And so the first thing is I'm like, oh man, I don't want my other producer to think that my friend is a jerk. You know, I'm like, he's in the room. Ah, Manuel just said this thing. I feel like a lot of times in our conversations, I feel like it takes us like 30, 40 minutes to warm up. I honestly, I was like, shoot, what do I feel super triggered? The word alone submission is super triggering to me, which I can share in a minute. But I also feel like what I've learned about you, Manuel, is I feel like sometimes you make these like really bold statements. Mm-hmm. Almost because I'm like, I feel like you're just trying to like stir the pot or something. Or I don't know why you do it, but you make these big <laughs> statements. And, you know, that's a big statement that you said. And instantly I felt like I felt shut down. I felt confused because I felt like you're speaking about prideful women. And I felt like that comment was super prideful. But also in the same breath, like a way that I want to live my life is I want to assume love. Like mm-hmm. I feel like, I know your heart. And I'm like, you're not a jerk. You're not, you're, I feel like you're a feminist. Like you Mm -hmm. love women, like you believe in equality. And so I was like, man, I want to assume love and I want to have this conversation, but like, we just couldn't have it then. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. figure we can have it now. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds triggering and I didn't get to unpack it because it it sounded like I was making a blanket statement, Mm -hmm. but again, it's because I couldn't unpack it. So when you hear the word strong and pride, everyone takes those things through their own lens of what those words mean to them. And then they, they will put that definition onto what my words are, right? So when I say strong, I, which is why I said I love strong women. I can't deal with weak women. So already I'm saying strong is not bad. Mm-hmm. When I say, you know, they come with pride and you have to argue them into submission. Pride wasn't a negative per se. Because when I say pride, I meant it as in they are proud of their accomplishments in all areas, emotionally, mentally, physically, in the workspace. They are proud of everything that they have accomplished. Because of that, they've typically been the rulers of their world. So the backdrop of what I'm saying is one of the most amazing things that I loved about my wife, right? Because she was a doer. She said she was going to come out here. She said she was going to do it and she did it. Because of that strong woman personality, she developed a pride for her work and her accomplishments and what she's been able to, to do, right? She's become a CEO of her life. Enter me who technically speaking, when you get married, now, now you know, biblically, they've always said, oh, the man is the head of the household. I've always seen it as differently. A lot of people like to think that means, oh, no matter what, you know, what he says goes, or, you know, uh, he has to make the most money or all, all that shit that I don't believe in. But his, my voice has to be counted as equal. And so when I go into her world, She is the CEO of her world. Mm. There is no one above her. So once she's been accustomed to that for 10 years, in comes this guy who now has to speak into it. And that crap don't work. At least initially. What crap doesn't work? Telling the ruler of her world that maybe she's wrong. 
Mm. or maybe there's a better way to do it. Mm. When her world is built on everyone saying yes to the things that she wants to do. Mm. So when you have a manager that goes out and does what you want to do, when you have an assistant that does what you want to do, when you like think about Jennifer Lopez, who says no to Jennifer Lopez in her world? No I mean, one, I wouldn't. Because, <laughs> no one, because they're, I mean, I, my, one of my good friends was her assistant. They're all getting paid by Jennifer and their goal is to do what Jennifer says. There is no one above her. She has to put herself underneath someone in order to have some kind of normalcy. But how do you do that when you're the guy or the girl? You're it. Mm -hmm. So in my wife's world, she's it. So then enter me and now she has to put herself under the ideas that I have and not like in a negative space, like not like because I'm better, but we mutually put ourselves under each other. And when I say under... When I mean submission, I mean, you count the person that you're saying is the most important person to you. You put the weight of what they're saying and how they feel and how they see life. You put yourself under that. Why? Because you want to carry their important things, everything that they have. So I carry my wife's everything. I would be submitted to all her dreams, to her goals to her views of what she wants for me, how she wants me to be, I submit to them because I'm not triggered by the word submit. To me, what I feel I have is a good definition that I will do before she will do. So that was the backdrop of when I say you're going to have to argue into submission because when you got two strong people who are CEOs of their world, there's going to be an arguing. Mm -hmm. And both people are going to have to submit to the other person's important viewpoints or core beliefs. So that's what it is. That's yeah. my explanation. Initially, you'll hear strong and then you'll hear whatever. And then every, everybody uses the word strong for women in a negative way. And then they use submission in a negative way. And we think arguments are negative. So all these things are like, you're seeing it through the light of your experiences. Arguments are not negative. The outcome of an argument can be negative. Right. You know what I'm saying? Strong women are not negative and submission is not negative. None of these things are negative. Right. And I think what we had talked about after the conversation is, you know, you were like, why is that word so triggering to you? And you're like, that word is neutral. You know, words are neutral. We put the meanings on them. And I understand the concept of that. But I think my pushback on that and to you in that conversation is even just now you're like, submit doesn't mean that to me. But you also are a man in a culture that is designed to set you up for total success. And you get these women that are these, you know, quote unquote, CEO women that's new, just in the last couple of decades, has that been even allowed? And women have been given the quote unquote permission to do that. And the thing that we have to acknowledge is that that word submission has not been used to oppress you. It hasn't been used to oppress you culturally, in your career, or spiritually, religiously. Whereas for me, as a woman, that word historically, not just since I was growing up, but for hundreds, if not thousands of years has been used to keep me small as a woman. And, and before we went live with this, before you and I started recording, 
I put on my Instagram stories, what comes to your mind when you think of the word submission? In Mm -hmm. less than 10 minutes, I got 10 responses from different women. So I'm like, my next 24 hours are going to be interesting. If 10 women responded in 10 minutes, here's what they said. Compromise when it may not be necessary. Superiority and dominance of men over women. Triggered, toxic, abuse, misogyny, weak, helpless women, no choice. And then be someone I'd actually want to submit to in the first place. Resistance, I want to automatically rebel and walk my own way. Submission means I have no freedom and that I'm basically giving my life up to quote unquote follow a man who is not God. Like when I hear that word submission, why it was instantly triggering to me and what like shut me off, what you just shared was so beautiful. And when I hear strong, I'm a strong woman and I love being a strong woman. And I also feel like I'm punished for that by a lot of men in my world, in culture at large. Like I've been told multiple times by men in my life, by friends even, oh, I would never date you because you have more than a thousand followers on Instagram. Oh, I would never date you because you run your own business. And I'm like, what the hell do you want me to do? Am I supposed to just volunteer at a library and like make $10 an hour and You already went one step further than I would advise anyone. So I coach a lot of women. And Mm -hmm. when you're reading off those first 10, all it does, it doesn't let me know what they actually think about the definition or the word submission. It lets me know that it's way beyond the word. Because that word 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 is attached. How the word has been used. It's more about their hurt. So I hear more of their hurt and the things that they've gone through than the actual word submission. Because submission is a beautiful thing. You know what I'm saying? It really is when it's done in proper context. You know, it's actually like a strong person being Mm -hmm. willing to be like, hey, I'll I'll totally give you my strength and you give me Mm -hmm. mine. And that shit's going to work so beautiful. So when I hear those comments, I would love to talk to each and every one of them because at the end of the day, it's not going to be about submission or the, or what, even biblically speaking of what we should be doing for one another, serving the weak, being the last, not the first. Like it's a beautiful concept that is supposed to be celebrated by people being okay with keeping their power in check. Mm -hmm. The way it's been used, you know, it's like, don't fault the word. It's like, you got hurt by some person and that person used that word how they wanted to use that word. So now that word represents the person or the situation. So to me, it's like, don't make the, the word a scapegoat. Yeah, I hear that. Because if you do, then you can't, you can't redefine that word. Man, if that's how you're going to live your life, you're going to be creating a new language. Every time somebody uses something, the way in which, you know, triggers you or you don't like it, as opposed to taking back the actual language and using it for what it was meant for and making right. it beautiful again in your life. I sat with that because you said that to me in the conversation and I was like, I'm just not ready for that. And it's taken me a couple months to like really sit with, okay, what is, what is submission and why is this hard? Because it's not just one person. I don't have just an attachment to like one person told me that I need to stay in the kitchen and be quiet and feed my man and be agreeable and be appropriate Mm -hmm. and have sex and please him whenever he wants. Like he's the head of the household. It's not just one person. It's an entire culture and it's a history. What I'm saying is how many people have said it to you? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Probably dozens. 
Okay, but think about it. So dozens of people in your life, right? And if males make up half of the population of the world. So you got dozens and then you got 3.5 billion other men out there. Right. So to make an emotional decision based on dozens of interactions, when there's 3.5 billion other people that you have no idea how they would view you, the strength or whatever, I just feel like that's not a really good test. I disagree because you grew up in a Christian culture as a woman. And this is not just my experience. This is millions of women's experiences. And I think there's Mm -hmm. real reckoning right now in the church in America. And there's a lot of reasons I'm not going to church right now Mm -hmm. as I'm trying to navigate this stuff. But I do think there's a real reckoning where women are being heard for one of the first times in American evangelical Western Christian culture. But when you're taught from the very get-go that if you want to follow Jesus as a woman, you need to be quiet and be submissive, it's attached then to your relationship with God. And women have gotten less opportunities than men. I've gotten less opportunities than men because I'm a woman, but also because I'm a single woman. And that's not just in the church, it's culture at large too, which is why it is a big deal, you know, that people like your wife is a CEO of her life. And I see what you're saying. And I also feel like we have to acknowledge that like, there's been so much hurt and damage. And what I felt like for such a long time in Christian culture in most of my churches that it was like, I believed this thing. It was like, I felt like deep down, I knew women were equal. Deep Mm -hmm. down. I was like, man, when I read the Bible, Jesus seems to like move towards women and give women opportunities. It felt so confusing to me. And then I was just told, oh, well, the reason why you want equality with your husband is because of Genesis 3, 16, where, you know, because of the fall, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. That's just your sin. That's just your flesh that you want equality. Or read Ephesians 5. It's in the scripture. Wives, submit to your husband. And we stop there, even though the verses all around it says submit to each other. Or husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Sure. Before we can even enter into a conversation of how do we renew this word that could have a very beautiful meaning, Mm because the Jesus way is the submission way. The Jesus way is like the first will be last and the last will be first. And to put others before you, we have to acknowledge like there's been some real pain here. Okay. So then here's, let me ask you something. When you say we, who's the we? You me. I've already acknowledged it. (laughs) Yeah, but not in that conversation. Well, you're just letting a word rule you. And I'm like, okay, maybe, but can you first say, I am so sorry that your experience as a woman, that you've been oppressed, that you've been hurt by this word. Well, you, you just have to like rethink it because this word isn't a bad word in and of itself. Okay. So here's something about me. I'm kind of like a straight line person. So when I hear the problem, I go straight to the solution right? That's just how I think. So me acknowledging, if you're telling me that you have been oppressed in your life, I hate that because I always see, I'm so for, like, I love, and even in our interactions, like I uplift you. I don't, I don't Mm -hmm. even see, it just doesn't even come to my mind to come close to oppressing you. Mm -hmm. So I hate that for you, that that has happened to you and to anyone that they've 
they've legitimately been like hurt and scorned and, and all those things. Like, obviously, you know, if it's somebody specifically we're talking about, I love to hear their story. Like, so I don't, mm. I don't oppress, nor do I practice, you know, any of those things. And it hurts me when you have to deal with something like that. Apologies if I didn't acknowledge it. I, I think the reason I didn't acknowledge it is because I didn't think I was arguing the pro-oppression side or the yeah. pro-I don't want women to be strong side. That mm-hmm. wasn't even my side, and nor is it still my side. But I would always acknowledge, and anytime I've spoken to a woman and she says she's felt this or that, or you know somebody's come at her, I acknowledge that. Then my question after that is, now what? So when yeah. you say we have to have acknowledgement first, yeah. what does that mean definitively to you? Yeah. And I am just feeling emotional. Um, oh, also, I got dumped last fall and I've become emotional since then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so emotional too. <laughs> Which has been a beautiful thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, my heart got like cracked open. I was like the ice queen. And now I cry a lot. Um, but it, it feels good and, and vulnerable. But I think... It's even healing for you to pause and say, like, I'm sorry that that word has hurt you. Because I think what happens a lot in these conversations between men and women is it's like every guy wants you to know that they're the good guy. That they're not like that. They're not going to oppress you with that word. And so they want, it's like they're trying to prove that they're the good guy. And it's like, okay, yes, thank you. Like, I'm not trying to attack you, but like, can we just say like this, this is like what has happened. And like, you have a privilege that I don't have because I'm a woman historically and in the church and in culture at large. And, and that's not your fault personally, but like to just like kind of level the playing field and just acknowledge like, man, that sounds like it's been really painful and I'm sorry. And I don't know what that's like. And I feel like the guy mentality is like just what you said, like, let's go straight to the solution. And it's like, for me, part of the solution, we can't even get there until it's like, man, my feelings are hurt, Mm -hmm. you know, or I feel like I've been made to feel less than my whole life. And I'm proud that I'm a strong woman And back to the earlier part of our conversation where I'm like, I'm proud of what I've done in my career. And I resonate to what you said about your wife. Like, I am the CEO in my life. And there's been times where I'm like, man, I feel so proud of what I've done. And then there's this other part of me that's like, man, is this why I'm single? Is this why a lot of us strong women are single? Because like, we have that like CEO hat on all the time that we don't know how to be vulnerable to let someone else into our life. Because if I want to submit, the first thing I have to feel is safe. I'm in my mid-30s, single, and want to have kids one day. If you're in my Patreon community and watched my video about my fertility journey, you know that I recently tested my fertility levels because I want to be proactive now to know what my options can be in the future. Because you don't show up to a marathon race without having been diligent in your training, right? So if you're a woman and think you might be interested in having kids one day, it's time today to take ownership over your fertility so you can know all of your options. Modern fertility makes it easy and affordable to test your fertility hormones right at home with a simple finger prick. You mail it in with a prepaid label and get your personalized results within 10 days. 
you'll get insight into your hormone levels, your ovarian reserve, aka how many eggs you have compared to other women your age, and other important fertility factors. You can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and your options for next steps. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash refined. That means your test will cost $139 instead of the hundreds and even thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. So get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash refined. Again, that's modernfertility.com slash refined. I used to take apple cider vinegar shots every morning to support my immune system and digestion. But to be frank, the burning sensation that would happen whenever I did, well, let me just be real. It's a very aggressive and not so yummy way to wake up. (laughs) Now, I still want all the benefits of apple cider vinegar without the gross shock of the taste. Well, great news is that Paleo Valley makes it easy for me to get all of the healing properties of apple cider vinegar into my daily diet without the fuss or the burn with their ACV complex. I take the capsules every day to support my overall health. And in case you didn't know the benefits of apple cider vinegar, let me tell you a few things that it does for your system. It helps increase metabolism, improve muscle performance, regulate appetite, and offers great support for your digestion. Did you know that by increasing the acidity of your stomach, you will digest food fully and absorb all the nutrients it has to offer? And with Paleo Valley's ACV Complex, you're getting more than just the benefits of apple cider vinegar. The capsule also contains healing spices like turmeric, cinnamon, ginger, and lemon. Y'all, all the good stuff. Go to www.paleovalley.com and use code CAT15 for 15% off your first purchase. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com and use code CAT15 for 15% off your first order. Who has to acknowledge this first thing to then get on to the second thing? Because from what I hear you saying, it feels like what you're saying in a global sense, the men, the the culture has to acknowledge that this happened or is happening. And to that, I say, that's a fool's errand because there's no way this whole culture is going to just all agree. There's going to be a ton of them that say, sure. And then a ton of them that say, screw you. And ton of them to say, well, without us men, you wouldn't have da, 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 right? So when I say define it, like, what does it mean to you? Like, who really needs to acknowledge this? Is it everyone or is it the one? Is it the person that you're trying to build? Because once you start saying that it's going to take this for me to move on or enter into healing, then what you're doing is you're giving your power over to a culture or to a way of thinking. And if that culture or the enough people don't think this way, then your healing is stuck. You're stuck until everyone acknowledges something. Mm. And I'm like, Ooh, don't do that to yourself. Who cares what all these people think? Well, but you're also missing part of the healing process. Like you're instantly going to like point X or something. And it's like, if a person is at point B, like what I think about is, you know, I cut my dad out of my life last year. And it Mm -hmm. needed to happen. He's not well. 
And then I had a family member pass away. And I didn't go to the funeral. The main reason was I was not ready to be in close quarters with my father. I felt like at first I judged myself, like, I can't let this person dictate my whole life for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And then my therapist was like, what if you thought about it like this? Like, you know, alcoholic gets sober. I'm like detaching myself from a codependent relationship that I had with my dad for 36 years. Mm-hmm. And he's like, at some point in your life, you're going to be able to go into that bar and it's going to be fine. You can get a Sprite or, you know, you're not even going to think about the alcohol. But like for a while, you need total separation. Then maybe you need to like have a buddy go with you to the bar, you know, or maybe you mm-hmm. decide I don't ever want to go to the bar again. But all that to say is it's a process. It's a process of healing. And how this triggered me is revealing that I'm still in the process of healing. Sure. This conversation still hurts me. Eventually, I want to be at that place where it's like, yeah, not everyone has to acknowledge it, but I feel like it also takes courage to interrupt the conversation and be like, hey, when you said that, I know you didn't mean that, but it hurt me and I'm healing from this. So can we either move through that or find a different word that can help us or redefine it together because I don't know what you mean when you're saying that. Because historically, when I've heard that from a guy, it's meant this. Like to me, that's part of the healing process. I agree. So what I'm doing is not skipping over to Z. I'm still at A with you. And you're saying this needs to be acknowledged. I'm just saying, if you don't define that acknowledgement phase that you're saying you need, then you're going to be waiting in phase one forever. Because how many people need to acknowledge it for you to feel like, okay, I can move on to B now? I don't think it's about that. I think it's more like realizing while I'm in process, hey, let me acknowledge like this thing is triggering me. It won't always trigger me. Everything's temporary, right? So it's not about, I need to hear it from 50 men that I've been oppressed. As long as I'm in this process and it's coming up, like it feels to me like the courageous thing to say, hey, like I'm still moving through this. Even like if you're like getting over your ex or whatever and you're like, man, I wish that that Instagram post didn't hurt me, but it still does. Like it's not like an amount or I need to hear it from these amount of people. I think it's being willing to say, man, for some reason, this is still hurting me. And like, because I know you're my friend and you care for me, like, how can we move through this? So I I don't think it's about, I need the entire world. I need everyone to acknowledge this. Like, I think it depends on the conversation. And like in this conversation, it brought this up and made me feel some type of way. That's not your fault. But as like being in friendship with people, then it's like, hey, let's talk about this. Yeah, no. And I agree. Like, I, I really do. Your initial statement was for us to even engage in this healing process, the beginning has to start with acknowledgement, right? So I think it's important that if you're saying that in order for you to enter into this new season of healing, what specifically, how does that acknowledgement look? It triggers a lot of people that a lot of people don't think this way. Like what you're saying, more people have a more traditional men are up here, women are down here and women Mm -hmm. have been fighting. So that's a traditional way. And most a lot of people stay stuck in the area of fighting because 
the predominant culture still views it this way. Mm -hmm. So I understand that. And I also have been guilty of it. But what I saw for me is that it never took me past the anger part because the injustice was always there. So I always had a reason or an example to be angry, Mm -hmm. right? Or to be re-triggered. And that bothered me because I'm like, damn, I'm not really progressing. I'm getting brought back in. You know, like right when I'm up, they bring me back down because I see a new example of the injustice or a new, you know, earlier you were talking about, you know, I'm a man. So I've been a beneficiary of certain systems that have been put in place for the church. Mm -hmm. If I were to play the exact same, you know, card, then I would say "Mm, technically not because I'm a man of color. You're a Mm -hmm. white girl. Mm -hmm. So I was not above you. Mm -hmm. I was not even allowed in your church. I had Mm -hmm. to worship out back. Yeah. So if it came to oppression, you, the white lady back then, is way less depressed than me, the colored man. So I wasn't Mm -hmm. even seen as a human being. All right. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to think nor play that because I'm like, it's not that I'm not acknowledging it, that I acknowledge that it happened, obviously, because I know the history of it. But to me, I'm like, okay, knowing this history, like I have to figure out a way to move forward. And even though I see examples of the triggering, I cannot let that bring me back into it every time I see it. I have to figure out a way to move forward and my people forward to where they're no longer triggered by the things that they were triggered by. Why? Because we have a full understanding of these people are just this. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm not trying to be negative or hate them, but it's just, I don't want anything to do with this kind of person. Like, think the way you want to think, create your own structure, have your own system, have your own people that want to believe in it. It's why I don't, you know, I haven't been to church in a long time either. And I'm not trying to speak negatively against the church. There's a system in place in there. I don't prescribe to a lot of it, but whoever wants to exist in that system, fine. I'm over here building a new system. I'm Mm -hmm. building a new structure based on beliefs and conversations that I've had with God. So in my system, when I say, hey, cat, submission is beautiful. I'm not drawing the past and what that word has been used from. I'm inviting us to a new place of like, hey, let's acknowledge that this shit sucked. And the reason we're doing this new system is because we don't like that over there. Right. Right. So let's take back everything that was taken from us and let's recreate something that looks more along what we think Jesus actually meant. So in my world, I don't even use the word submission to my wife ever. I don't use the word submission ever. I exemplify it. So I show my wife submission or how to be submissive by me being submissive to her. Mm -hmm. Shower her with, I do everything for that girl as if I'm a freaking slave. When I say everything, I do everything. And I'm showing her, baby, this is how you serve somebody else. This is how you submit to someone else. Does she do most of the stuff back to me? Not really, but I don't do it for the sake of her doing it back to me. I do it because again, I feel like she deserves it. So I don't know if it's a fault. I'm more on the move on theory and not like disregard or belittle somebody's experience. No, 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 no. Your, mm-hmm. your experience is showing me where you're coming from. Now, I want healing for you. Right. I want to this thing never trigger you again. And the only way for that to happen is to accurately define the trigger, 
accurately define what it takes to get over the trigger, and then accurately define where do you want to go? And then I want to get you there. Right. And it's not because I don't care about your past or what you've gone through. It's because I know that that shit's not going to serve you to become who it is that you want to become or create your own little world or system that you want to then pass on to your kids. But again, not to be little, but to create something new, like let's build something new that does mean something better. Right. And then show people what that looks like and then let them make the decision. So if you want to go back to that system, you can, or look at this new thing I've created that I believe is also based on truth and God and, and then mm-hmm. you figure out, you tell me which one feels more like God. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think you bring up just really good points. Is I think, you know, part of the healing process first, identify the trigger, you know, and then, okay, how do I heal past this? And there's multiple layers of healing and different things that we do at different parts of that process. And I think something that I have realized in myself is I feel like I've spent the last few years defending myself to the quote unquote Christian culture. Even I look back at my book that came out last year, which I'm really proud of, but I felt like I was having to defend that I was still a quote unquote credible Christian. Like, (laughs) see, like I can be a feminist and love Jesus because look at all these Bible verses. Like, see, like I can get cast a new vision for Ephesians 5 and still be in your club. And now I'm like, well, hold on. Like there's a difference between Jesus and the church and Christianity. And I feel like I've been unpacking, okay, actually my problem isn't with Jesus. It's been with a lot of like the system. And so to your point of like, get yourself away from the trigger. Like I don't need to keep defending myself (laughs) to have a seat at the table. I'm like, I think what I realized in the last year is I'm like, it's like, I don't want to go to your party, but I still want the invitation yeah, <laughs> so that I yeah. can decline it. We literally had this conversation yesterday on the podcast. It was really? called, um, I miss the corporate church, but do I? And we started breaking down what is it that we miss? And we miss the security of being on the end yeah. and everybody being a- able to easily identify us as mm-hmm. someone who is saved and someone who is a Christian. It's so yeah. they, They're part of that tribe. They're part of the faith assembly tribe. They're part of the whatever tribe, the tabernacle of this tribe. So of course, and we felt safe being in the system because we're like, we're with everybody else. We're we're in step. We're just doing it right. Then the second that you're out of it, you realize, oh crap, now you have to redefine your own system. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about what you're doing, you know, I would have told you a long time ago, like who gives a shit? And anytime some dude makes you feel whacked for being strong, it just means that they're weak. Oh, they're yeah. weak. And you know, statistically <laughs> speaking, it's what men want. Statistically speaking, men want mm-hmm. someone not their equal because if they wanted their equal, it just doesn't serve them. Most powerful men want someone who is agreeable. That's all yeah. they want. They just want some because they deal with disagreeableness. They're whole freaking all over the place. That's literally how you get to a successful place. It's just this fight, fight, tear each other. Like, do your, you know what I'm saying? It is tough to get to success. So when you come home, they just want someone who is agreeable, someone who's not going to fight them, just going to say yes, push out some babies. Mm-hmm. And that's what they want. That's just what the world and most adore men them. want. Like, your shit yeah, doesn't sink. It. It's really simple for, for high powered men, but there is those of us. There's a small percentage 
who are cheerleaders and love the idea of a woman that's strong. That was one of my prerequisites when I got married. I needed a woman that I could believe in. I needed someone that I can cheer on. I wanted to be a cheerleader for my wife because I come to life. So when I was dating this one girl, Sonia, who was a preacher and she would preach, I'd be in front row. I'd be in front row. When I was dating Julie, who was a, a choreographer and teacher of cheerleading, bruh, I was there at every practice. What you need? Handing out water bottles, going to competitions, <laughs> carrying people's bags. Why? Because I'm like, look how dope she is when she's doing this thing that she's made to do. You know what I'm saying? So I say all that to say is that there are people like me, obviously, because I exist, right. which is gonna not only big you up, but make you feel safe enough to be even stronger than you are now. Mm -hmm. But how to reach that person is to let go of all the people that told you that you weren't enough or that strong is bad. Like move past A, get on to B and freaking keep it moving. So I, that's literally like, I want it so bad for people because I understand like the process of transition and grieving and loss and feeling hurt because I've experienced it myself. And I want you to get to Z, not because I want you to freaking get past your process point or because I don't care about it or I don't care about your, I don't, none of that, because I want you to get to happiness and joy quicker than anything in this world. And if that means having tough conversations or battling with this idea of archetypes and systems then let's do that. But let's do that for the purpose of like not continuing to bring up that they exist because we all know them. We see them. We acknowledge that they exist. But bringing up how to make resolutions and actually get things done, which typically start and end with us because we can't change anyone else. Right. We can only change our situation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And sometimes we don't know something is triggering to us. Until we're in a conversation and we hear a comment being made. And so it's like, okay, even I didn't know that I was going to cry. I didn't know that. I didn't know that this bothered me that much. And so I think part of it is giving each other space to be on that journey of like, yeah, yeah. you're like, maybe you're a couple steps, quote unquote, ahead of me on like the letting go journey. And for me, I feel like a lot of people who follow me, one of my agents said, for a lot of people who follow you, you're typically the most progressive voice that they follow. And so they're like reading your stuff under the bed sheet at night with their flashlight, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, just come over here. But I'm trying to remember, okay, when I was at that point, what was I able to hear and what was I not able to hear? And how can I love this person well? How yeah. can I like love them in that process? And I love the process. I think it's so beautiful. I really do. I don't want to make it weird for guys to think the way they think, but it really is weird to me when a guy can't see a, like a strong woman and be like, man, that's so dope. Because yeah. it's just so hard to fall into your calling and to chase your purpose. It's so hard. And if somebody can actually do it and is running, man, I just don't understand how you wouldn't want to big that person up, knowing how hard it is, you know? So I see yeah. your life and I'm just like, Good on you, man. Good on mm -hmm. you for just being brave and stepping out into places and trying. Good on you for trying. Because yeah. how many people talk that shit and they don't do anything? Yeah. Ugh. 
biggest turnoff in the world. Or how many women stay quiet and don't chase their dreams because they feel like I have to fit this mold. I have to like be this person. And so I can't do these things that I was created to do, or maybe what they think they're created to do is a sin, you know? And so I feel like a lot of it is hard, but to your point of, you know, why don't guys, why can't they just see how amazing women are? What something that I experienced, I dated this guy off and on for years in my twenties and it was just toxic and bad. And ultimately I knew he was threatened by my strength Mm -hmm. and I knew that he knew that if we were going to end up together, he had to step it up in his life. Mm -hmm. Like he couldn't run around on me, (laughs) you know, I would call it out. He couldn't lie. He had to be a person of integrity and being with me, I held him to a standard, not a standard of perfection. I remember when we finally broke up, it was like, oh my gosh, I felt like the fog lifted and I was able to see it clearly. And I was like, oh, what he thinks he doesn't like strong women, but really what that is mirror reflecting back to himself are the own gaps in his life that he doesn't want to look at. And so it's easier for him to go and find some young girl who's just going to like worship the ground he walks on and is not going to be like, well, hold on. You said this, but then you did this. You lied to me, you know, I think women can do it too. You know, women want guys that adore them too. I don't want to just make it just a man thing. But I think if you want to be with someone who is quote unquote strong or competent or knows who they are and knows who God made them to be and knows where they're headed, has a vision for their life. Like, that's why I say like, I don't want a Bible study leader. I want a partner. I want an equal. I want someone who has vision for their life too. Here's something important though that you have to point out because we're using these words and it doesn't mean the same to everyone. So when you say you want someone equal, you have Mm -hmm. to be able to define that. So when we say strong, we have to be able to define that Mm -hmm. because to some people, strong means something. It's very Mm -hmm. clear to them what strong means. So a strong guy is a you know, a successful guy, he kind of has his stuff together and he's da 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 And then you'll look at a dad who stays at home and takes care of his kids and doesn't make any money and whatever, and no one would call that guy strong. Mm. So you have to be able to define what does strong mean? Because to me, yeah. it's more of a spirit thing. It's more of a character thing. Strong yes. means you know you can do a lot of shit, but you choose the best for your situation. So my friend who is a stay-at-home dad, he's, he's a college graduate. When he was working, he was a manager. Like He is strong, but he mm-hmm. is choosing for the betterment of his family to stay home with his kids. Yeah. And that's what he does. So define strong and don't get caught up in what a cultural society says, this is strong or this is successful. Because when right. we say strong women, we typically mean CEOs, badasses, you know, who are doing whatever. When I'm like... Yeah, but then you kind of leave out the housewife who's fucking raising four kids. She's hella strong. She just, it's a different thing. So be able to define what it is that you say that you want. When you say you want a strong man, I would hope what you mean is a man who knows when to be healthy, manly, you know, like meaning like he'll stand up for things, core beliefs, not like, oh, I'm going to beat every guy up, you know, like. Core beliefs in your life that you know you can rest not only your own morals, but your kids' morals. 
because mm-hmm. when it comes down to it, he's going to make the right decision, not the easiest decision. And yeah. that makes it a strong man for me. Someone yeah. who doesn't get swayed by culture, by uh, circumstance, but he's going to make the right decision every time because he's moral and he wants the best and he wants to leave an example for his kids and his wife. That mm-hmm. to me is strong. And that's not even anywhere close to the definition of what our culture sees is strong. Right. You know, in my own example, I get kind of triggered when I hear, and not even for me, but more for the other people. When I hear women say, I want a man that can make this much, you know, I'm tired of taking care of myself. He needs to be successful. He needs to be this. And I'm just like, Shh. you know, I let them talk and I'm just like, I firmly disagree because when Ange met me, I made 30 grand that year because I was a Christian rapper. <laughs> Didn't know that I was really great with money because when I came to my marriage, I had over six figures in the bank but never made more than $60,000 a year. A plumber made more than me. But we got married and I turned our wealth times three because I knew how to handle money. But Mm -hmm. all these girls who are like, oh, I need a man that that makes money or I need him to be strong, successful, they would have overlooked me. Yeah. Because I didn't make enough. Unknowing that I can take what they made and turn it three times fold and triple our net worth. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So it's very important for you to understand what it is you're looking for. Define those words that trigger you. Define them so that you can get past the face value and get to the root and then start working on that shit because that's where the healing is and that's where the victory is. That's when you can Mm -hmm. progress as a person beyond what everyone else is arguing about and not get caught up in the noise because that shit's emotional. It's very emotional to get caught up in a culture's resistance of certain things. At some points, it's noble, at least pointing out the thing that is bothering you. But then it just becomes an echo chamber of anger and noise. Right. Right. And, and very few people find their way out of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. It's so easy to get just like caught in the whirlpool of just being angry and pissed off. And I mean, I feel like I was angry for like a solid three years. And then I feel like last fall, I started waking up. But I had to let myself feel the anger. Mm -hmm. I think especially as a woman, I was told, you know, as a Christian, I was told angry is a sin, which I don't agree with. And then it was like, oh, if you're a woman and you're angry, like that's double bad. And so I had to let myself feel that. And then underneath anger is always like pain, disappointment, betrayal. I feel abandoned. I feel sad or I betrayed myself. I'm really just angry because I stayed in something for so long that hurt me. Yeah. What in me stayed, you know, I'm actually upset at myself to your response of like, what does it mean to like want to equal? I am in alignment with what a lot of what you shared. Like to me, a strong man is a man who is his word mm-hmm. is a man who like says, Hey, I'm going to be there. And he's there. Yeah. I call it like the I'm gonna person. I'm gonna write a book. I'm gonna run a marathon. Oh I'm gonna get in shape. I'm gonna start this. It's like, I don't care what it is, but like, do you do the things you say you're gonna do? Like to me, that is strength. To yeah. me, vulnerability is strength. Here's what I, I tell all the girls that I'm coaching right now. I'm like, don't get so upset about all the misses or all the people that don't live up to the thing. You don't need everyone to love and agree with you. 
You just mm-hmm. need one. You just need the one. All you're doing Which is, is just, both encouraging and can be discouraging at the it same time. It can be, but it's to me, what I found is all perspective. The day that I yeah. started taking responsibility for everything, for every way that I felt, mm-hmm. is the day that I became almost invincible. I don't blame anyone for anything. I want to land the plane here. Let's both answer the question. How do you view submission? Is submission relevant at all today? You have 60 seconds to answer that question. Yeah. I view submission as a me first, them second. So I will never use the word submission demanding it from somebody else. I will only use it as an internal precursor of how I can serve someone else. Hmm. Only way you'll ever hear me use that word. Mm -hmm. That's good. I would say a new definition for me could be being outward focused. And it's it is the Jesus way. Like yeah. the like Jesus is looking out for the other person. I always think of my aunt every night gets my uncle's coffee ready for him and like sets it on a timer because he hates getting up in the morning and then he, his alarm gets on and the coffee's already brewed. Like it's such a small thing and like she doesn't have to do it and it's not like anything big, but it's like that's her way of loving him well. So to me, it's like submission is totally relevant and a life that I want to live of, I want to, how can I love another person well? How can I put myself in their shoes? How can I listen? Dude, every time my wife has has a meeting, I wake up extra early and I wash her car. And I always tell her, I'm like, you're a star. And I don't ever want you showing up to a place with a dirty car because that's not how stars roll. So I'll <laughs> clean it all out so that that way, wherever she shows up to whatever meeting, she glistening car. She just comes out of it looking beautiful. The car looks beautiful. Everything about this situation is beautiful. And that's my one of the many things that I do to serve her, to submit to this beautiful thing called a relationship and marriage, you know. Mm. Love it. And y'all are 11 years in, right? 11 years. Still flirting with each other, still doting. Love it. Manuel, thank you so much for having the real talks. I appreciate you. Yes, thank you. I can always count on my conversations with Manuel to be challenging and insightful. Yeah, I appreciate the conversation that we had today. One thing that is coming up for me post-conversation is when I got emotional and I started to cry, I felt like I had to give it a caveat. Like, oh, I'm crying because, oh, you know, I went through this breakup and now my heart's open. And I think the space I want to be in is like never to apologize or give a caveat for how I'm showing up. Never to have to give a caveat for when I feel activated or triggered And I do just want to say to you, if you are listening and submission does feel frustrating and triggering to you, like you're not alone. Clearly, it has been a word that has been so painful for me, for so many of us. And you're not alone in that. And what I love about what Manuel challenges me into and us into is to, okay, so how can we move from the trigger to healing? So how can we remove ourselves from the triggering situations and how can we actually heal? And what does it mean to reclaim that? I didn't think at the beginning of the conversation that I would be able to give a new definition for submission. And yet I was open to the process and I was able to do that. And so what would that be like for you? What does rethinking 
submission look like? What does it mean? What does it mean for your life? So I would love to hear your thoughts. Come on over and chat with us on patreon.com slash The Refined Collective. We have awesome weekly chats about the episodes or on the Instagrams at The Refined Woman. And we will talk to you next week. 